Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. This is a very tough subject that we're going to talk about today. It's about being hurt. It's about a child who doesn't have a say in what's happening to them. It's about incest. It's about all the things that we try not to talk about. I'm Jill Taylor, and welcome to Choose Life Radio. Our guest today is Shannon McGraw. Shannon, you're an author, you're a speaker, and you're a counselor for those in need. You founded a very impressive ministry, Hopeful Hearts Ministry, which often helps people through peer support sessions of things that they've gone through. Talk to me a little bit about that. Unwind my crazy description with your rendering of what you do here. Absolutely. First and foremost, thank you for this opportunity, Jill. I am grateful to be on uh, just to spread this word of hope and healing for all of us that have been through so many different types of trauma. Hopeful Hearts Ministry aids in the long-term recovery of survivors of abuse. And that abuse could be various things, mental, physical, sexual, emotional abuse. Another little tagline that we have is that we're giving a voice to survivors. And I just, it comes off of my own experience of sexual childhood trauma at the age of three to six, incest by my grandfather, and then rape in high school and rape in college. And then various forms of emotional abuse and other things throughout that process of growing up and and being held back by what had been done to me and, and having boundaries crossed and that sort of thing. So I started Hopeful Hearts Ministry with this knowing that how often I felt alone and why I didn't speak about everything I was going through because I felt like nobody else would understand or I was such a horrible person because of choices that I made because of the abuse that happened to me. And I just felt like Hopeful Hearts was a way for us to do peer-to-peer support and help through that healing journey and that healing process so that others could know that they can get their strength from our support and from God and and what God offers with his light and love. Shannon, you said from a young age, your grandfather was molesting you. How come that didn't get picked up? How come it wasn't noticed? That is such a good question. And I think the nuance of this whole aspect of abuse and especially abuse within the home is so, so difficult and one that continues to be needing to be discussed. You know, my mother was abused by her father, and I can say this because she speaks about it publicly. And she felt like, because she was so young when this happened to her, she felt like it would never happen to anybody else. And that's often the case that when it's happening to you, you think, well, I've done something wrong, or I'm the one that's causing this to happen. And so you don't think it's going to happen other than you. And so as she got out of that situation, She just didn't feel like that he would do it to anybody else. And so when it was happening within our own home, I truly believe that she just couldn't fathom that it was happening to us as well. So I think it's interesting how the brain works and you just can't see what's probably very clear in front of you and and see the reactions that I was having from it or that, you know, others in my family were having from it as well. So he was actually taking advantage of more than just you. Correct. Yes. 
And how have, I'm assuming your siblings, how have your siblings managed that? Everybody's going to have a different response. I know for myself, I blocked it away and I put it into what I call this little black box. And it didn't come back up for me until I was, I had already started the ministry. And I was just dealing with the fact that I had gone through, you know, a date rape in high school and a date rape in college and some other things. And so even though my mom came forward during that time, and even though she was getting help and she started CASA of Grayson County and started helping other children overcome and get out of abusive homes, I still couldn't fathom that for myself. I knew it. I just couldn't go there because my memories didn't come back until I was almost 40. I think because I couldn't handle it at the time. Now, I did have an older sister, and again, she speaks about this, so I can say this. She dealt with it different. Her memories didn't go away. So she went through this and dealing with being very sexually promiscuous and dealing with addiction and lashing out, just crying out without being able to say, this is the main issue. She couldn't speak that. She couldn't voice that, especially when it's somebody that you love. You know, sometimes women and men even can get into abusive relationships and it's so hard for them to speak about it because they love that person so much. It's the same thing for a child going through abuse if it's happening by someone that is supposed to love you and care for you and is different during the day than they are at night. That's a tough a tough topic to talk about. I appreciate you sharing with us. It's, it's very intimate to have to discuss in terms of your own family. However, I know it's happening in other homes. We know it's happening. And we know that children who are in homes that they're waiting to be adopted are also being taken advantage of. How do we deal with that, Shannon? How do we stop that? That is what the loaded question, I think, at this point. This, I think, is an aspect of you with your own ministry of Choose Life and bringing forward of this courage and strength for allowing people to understand that, you know, we can talk about what I would always call my ugly, you know, the ugly that we hold inside, that we think that maybe because of some of the things that we've been through that nobody will ever understand this or we'll never be good enough or we'll never be forgiven or all of those things that keep us from really working through that. We need to be able to have this voice. And that to me is how we begin to work towards making that change. The more that we're able to talk about these things and to say, this is what happened. This is how I have come through this. Yes, it was a hard journey. Yes, it's been difficult, but this is how I've learned to how to forgive others or to forgive myself. The more it's out there in the open, then others are hearing that. And even though it may not have happened to them, it could eventually, or they may know somebody else that it's happening within their circle, right? So they would then be able to say, look, I can help you, or I know where you could go, or that's not right what's been done to you. I think about just going back to kids again, in general, kids, small kids, teenagers, they tend to go to friends and are able to say, this is happening, but then those friends don't know what to say. But the more if we are loud about what these things are and to understand what these things are about, then maybe they could be able to say, you know what, I heard this. Maybe you could go here. Maybe you could look here. That's not right. You should be able to get help. And to me, that's just the process of making that change. And for young kids, 
to be able to trust their parents and say, I, I, I have to tell you this, but my friend didn't want me to, it allows the parents to make a decision of what do I do? Because more the adult is responsible than a child because you just don't know what's going on or why it's going on. So you've created an organization called Hopeful Hearts Ministry, and it's a very impressive ministry. Tell us about that. Thank you. We work with survivors, women and men. More men are coming forward, actually, and we try to help them one-to-one doing peer support. I have many therapists that will send people my way as working in tandem in Christian therapy or just in therapy in general. Therapy to me is so important, and that that was kind of the aspect of why I started this. You know, my older sister, as I said, went through this as I did, and she just never could go to therapy, and like she just dealt with it different than I did, And, and I thought, you know, I wish that she had this support and felt like she knew that she could have this support, and that's why I started this was offering a place where others could go, if, and even if they're not strong enough to come forward and say, I'm, I'm ready to talk to somebody, at least we'll have resources for them or to be able to go to different organizations and to get that help. You know, right now we're really working on our resource page to find other nonprofits that are helping in, in very specific ways to help with this healing journey of abuse. You know, we want to work in tandem with others as well. And then in programs here, I have a peer support person in Tacoma, Washington. I know that she's doing some Bible studies, and we're going to soon be offering a support group online. Just various things to bring together survivors, because that is the biggest healing aspect, is to know that you're not alone, and that your voice is being heard, and that there is a way to go from just surviving what you've been through to truly thriving and living the life that God intended you to always live. You've written some books about it as well. Right. I had Exposed and then Redeemed and then Reclaimed. So I have three books that are out there. They help someone who's reading that to to deal with the trauma, or is it just almost a chance to have it peeled back for you, the reader, and to realize what's going on? Or do you find a lot of women or men say, I've read this and I needed it, and now I need to talk to somebody? All the above. (laughs) That is what I have found. I have found those that come forward. You know, when I first read Exposed and Exposed and Redeemer or somewhat memoirs of just me explaining and telling my story and, and even just kind of that love story between myself and God, but then how all of these aspects of these various traumas can affect different relationships in your life. The reason why I wrote Reclaimed, my latest book that just came out, it is a step by step directive to me from God of how I began to go on a healing journey. And and it's what I've really used with those that I do one-to-one peer support. It's being able to give us a, a very doable process to say, you know, there might be some that come to me and go, I just don't have a relationship with God and and I'm angry and I don't know how to rectify this, but I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid to even move forward. I know a lot of people that stay in what I call that survivor mentality are afraid to push forward because they know that you have to go through the pain to get to the other side. You have to be able to recall whatever the trauma is that you've been through and say, this is what happened and this hurt. And because of this hurt, this is maybe my own reaction to that. We all have done things in our lives because of what has been done to us. We have made mistakes. We have made decisions that we wish that we could take back. 
that, you know, God has given us a consistent directive and he is with us and loving us throughout every single day. And, and I think that's what's so amazing at his grace is just overflowing and it's never ending. And for me, using these verses from Ephesians and reclaimed is to me, God saying, my child, I love you. I, I don't want you to be a part of this darkness. I want you to come into my light. And this is how I want you to do it. This is a great opportunity to hear how you might help someone who's dealing with a past sexual trauma. It's an opportunity for you to find out how you can help. We're going to come right back with Shannon McGraw on Choose Life Radio. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting, chooseliferadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So meet up with us today at chooseliferadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and I'm really glad you're with us today. Shannon McGraw has already shared a lot of her story. I'd like you to go back and listen to that. On our website, you'll see the podcast with Shannon McGraw, and I really hope that as you listen to it, the first half, the second half, the whole thing again, whatever it is, that you will share this. This is an issue that is undercover. For so many people, they don't know how to tell others that they're being abused as children. You know, as children, we're supposed to obey. We're supposed to not question what our parents or our grandparents do. And this is an issue because some of them are experiencing horrible sexual trauma, but they don't know what they're allowed to say. Shannon, you mentioned on the first part of our interview that you dealt with this in unusual ways as well. So tell us what happened to you as you became a mom and experienced this. So I think that so many survivors, uh, when their memories start to come back or when they start recognizing that maybe because of these past abuses that it has strongly affected the way that they respond to situations or react to certain people. You know, they're being triggered probably and don't even realize it. This happens so often. And, and for me, it, it's kind of what saved my life, if you will. I was in my late 20s. And, you know, I had grown up knowing God. I had religiously went to church, you know, every Sunday. I was part of a youth group in my middle school years. And I can't say, though, that I had a strong relationship with him. And, and because of what had happened to me in high school and college, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of resentment. I had a lot of frustration towards the world and especially even towards God, to be honest. And I ended up being married and I had a son, my son at this time that just changed my life. He was two and a half years old and my youngest was one month old. 
And I just remember just having this toddler that allowed me to realize I am not in control and I was losing control. (laughs) The terrible twos. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he was all over the place. And, you know, and everybody is a human. I think we all try to have some control of our life. But even more so for those of us that have been through various traumas, it's such a need (laughs) to be able to have that control. And here my son was two and a half. And he was potty training, and I had my one-month-old, and I was feeding him, and all of a sudden, I could smell what was happening. And my two-and-a-half comes up to me, and he's like, Mommy, look at what I did. And I could see that he had taken matters into his own hands, literally. I follow my two-and-a-half-year-old to the bathroom. I see the trail of what had happened, and he had covered and painted with his bathroom, (laughs) with his stuff. I hate to be crude with Mm -hmm. it all, but he had painted with it all over the bathroom floor, the shower curtain, everywhere. Oh, wow. And I guess he felt like, well, this is neat. You know, he thought he had just done a really cool thing. And something in that, it just made me explode. I was so angry. And this is pent up from years and years of just being angry about life in general Like, why me, God? Why me? And I just turned to him and I saw his soiled underwear on the ground and I went to grab it and shove it in his face like he was a dog. And I just never forget. It always was. I've spoken this story. I can't tell you how many times that it always brings me to tears because the thought of me being that type of person just kills me, you know, and I'll never forget. He froze. His eyes got real big and I stopped. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? Who am I? Like, this isn't who I am or who I want to be. And I just said, Jesus, help me. At that point, I'm sure my little two and a half year old Brian thought that I was crazy because I then was just muttering, Jesus, help me. Jesus, Mm. help me. And I cleaned him up. My youngest is still crying because he hasn't been fully fed and, and he had spit up all over his face. And I cleaned him up. I get him fed and They both end up falling asleep, and I go back into that bathroom. And I'll never forget, I'm a very visual, I need to learn off visual. And and I just felt like the Lord spoke to me in that that way. And and I just looked around and thought, gosh, this is my life. You know, (laughs) this is a bunch of, you know, this is what my life looks like right now. And I ended up cleaning up that bathroom, and I went into my bedroom. I had been doing a Bible study called Breaking Free by Beth Moore. And I had been introduced to that. And God's honest truth, the only reason why I did that Bible study was because they had free child care. (laughs) And that was the only reason why I went to that Bible study. But you know what? That that, I love God because He has a sense of humor, and He knows He will try any way possible to get to you. And that's the way He knew He could get to me, was by having somebody give me a break for just an hour and a half. So I took that Bible study because something had really hit me. And, you know, I was half doing it, but something hit me because the Lord's Word will hit you when it needs to. I laid on the floor because I knew, like, if He really loves me, and if, God, you're real, and you have something for me, even though all of the mistakes I've been through in my life, even though I'm the type of person that almost did what I did to my son— And I had done other things in my life that I'm not proud of. If you have something for my life, then you need to take it and do something with it. And I laid face down flat on my floor and cried out because I did not want to be living anymore. 
I wasn't going to kill myself. I just knew I could not be that person anymore. And I just cried out and said, God, take my life or do something with it. And in that moment, that is when I felt God. I felt him. I could smell him. I could taste him. I knew him. And there was just something in me. And I know that that was my moment of dying to myself. And I got up off that floor. And it wasn't that I suddenly became who I am literally 20 years later. What happened was, is that suddenly I knew that I wasn't alone. Ah, Still, it brings me to tears. That I wasn't alone. And that as long as I just focused on it day by day, that I could be the person that I knew that I was created to be. And even though, like I said, that was 20 years ago, I have been through so much else since then. But the one difference between before that moment and after is knowing that my faith was unwavering, that God was with me. And yes, there were still other moments that maybe I would get angry with God, but you know what? I knew he could handle it. And I knew that I could safely go to him and go, what are you doing? (laughs) Why is this happening? But I always knew then that if I looked to him and gave him that control and gave him that trust, that he would bring me through it. Wow, that is an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And to our listener and to my heart, I think of times that I really blew it with my kids, too. I think there's a lot of pressure on moms especially when they're home alone with all the kids and not able to get anything accomplished. And then sometimes your husband walks in and said, well, what did you do today? This place is a mess. And you, and you really want to say, I'm exhausted. I have done everything I can possibly do. You take the kids. And I think that that's something that we all need to hear. It's okay that we don't have every single moment of our child rearing as a good moment. It's okay to go back and ask forgiveness if we displayed anger and if we harshly punished our children. Lord knows we need to come to Him at all times when we're frustrated and just so discouraged. I'm so grateful for that story. When you are meeting, you are bringing women together, especially women who have had this sexual abuse What's the type of counsel they're getting? Are they actually meeting in one large group, or do you break them into small groups that they can talk in? Are they doing it in person? Are they doing it on a video? What do you have going for them? The way we did it before the pandemic was different than the way we're doing it after the pandemic, obviously. So right now, what we do is it's one-to-one, and and before I would do it in person. And if they're near where I am, then I still meet with them in person. Otherwise, I work with them. And my other peer support person who's out of Tacoma, Washington, she will meet with you in person as well if you're near her area. Otherwise, we do a lot of it by phone or by Zoom, FaceTime, you know, whatever's convenient for whoever it is that needs that help. We also offer different group programs. And so I've done it even, and I plan to do it here soon, another book study of Reclaimed, which gives those essential steps of beginning to recognize what the lies are from what you've been through and claiming your truth and being able to learn to trust God and and love yourself and to self-care and to forgive. So we do plan to do more of these kind of online group programs. That way we can be inclusive across the United States. And that's the great gift that the pandemic did give to us is opening up these doors to be able to reach that many more women in that regard. So they can go to hopefulheartsministry.org to find out. 
one of the things that you recommended is a basic begin to start to discipline with the very easy things so that you can discipline correctly as it gets more traumatic, literally, as kids grow up. One of the things you said that I loved, you you said, just say this, I will no longer tolerate my son leaving his clothes in a heap on the floor. I'm rather (laughs) sure that every mother listening knows that feeling. And what you're saying is, there's a line. You clean that up. You are capable. If we can start with something so simple as that, we can get our voice back as a parent. We are in, I truly believe, a culture where children are not disciplined at all. I think one quick comment on what you just finished with, it's about being able to learn to communicate and to voice your boundaries and your expectations. We have an expectation, but we never voice it. Then how is the other person going to know if they're letting you down or, you know, what's happening? And so we can start out just with even those little things and then holding true to that. You have a right to say, I don't want this house to be dirty and you should learn to take care of yourself. And when we're disciplining our children, you're helping them to grow and become good people in this world. And that would translate to other things as they get older. And so they deserve this just as much as you deserve this. You are worthy of being able to have that voice and being able to say, I'm not selfish or spoiled just because I want my child to clean up his room. Well, thank you, Shannon, for joining us today to talk about this really atrocious, outrageous harm that's being done to so many young girls and young women. Our listener knows better how to pray, and if you have a child or granddaughter or grandson who is acting out, who's become nonverbal, please sit down, talk with them, and promise whatever they say they will not be punished for it. And for heaven's sakes, tell them you love them. That wraps up our time for today. Thank you, Shannon, for being our guest. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and we will be back next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.